0: Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University.
1: Hello, my name is Kelly Brownell. I'm the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. I'm delighted to have as our guest Dr. Brian Wansink, an internationally known expert on eating behavior. Dr. Wansink is the John S. Dyson Endowed Chair in the in Applied Economics and Management Department at Cornell University, where he also directs the Cornell Food and Brand Lab. In addition to his extensive teaching and research experience, he spent from 2007 to 2009 time at the U.S. Department of Agriculture as Executive Director of the Center for Nutrition Policy and Promotion. Brian, I'm delighted to have you here.
0: Oh, it's great to be here, Kelly. All
1: right. You have shown more than any human being on (laughs) earth how malleable human eating behavior is and how it can be shifted by seemingly subtle things in the environment. I'd like to talk about some of the studies you've done that have documented that. Then in second podcast, we'll talk about how this might be harnessed in a way that could change the way the world deals with food. So let's start with studies you've done with adults. And could you give us some examples of the kind of things you've done that show these (laughs) environmental influences?
0: You know, I I think over the last 20 years, I've probably done over 400 studies on on eating behavior. You know, that show that everything from the lighting in the room, to what the person's doing next to you, to the size of a plate, to the distance a candy dish is from you, have this tremendous bias on people. <clears throat> but what amazes me of all these studies is that the one thing that comes up over and over and over again is people, when you confront them with how they were, how, how they were fooled by something as silly as the size of a serving bowl, Will often say, No, I wasn't tricked. No, no, uh, I did it for some other reason. And that's why these little cues around us mess us up so much. Let me give you an example. Most people say when they overeat, it's because the food's really good or because they're really hungry. And we decided to do the study to look at what happens if somebody's not hungry and the food's terrible. Are they still fooled by the stuff around them? And so we did the study in this, in one of those, uh, you know, Cinema 24 theater things outside of Chicago where we <clears throat> took people who had just finished eating within 20 minutes. Just finished finished eating dinner within 20 minutes. So when they came in, we gave them those, those huge popcorn buckets you get or those triply huge popcorn buckets you get for, you know, five cents more. <laughs> <laughs> and this wasn't normal popcorn though. This was five-day-old popcorn that we had had sitting in an entomology lab, just soaking up humidity and this nasty, styrofoamy stuff. And what, what we found is when people came in, we randomly gave them either a, a medium-sized bucket or a huge bucket. At the end of the movie, people who had been given the, these huge buckets had, had eaten 44% more popcorn, even though it was terrible and even though they weren't hungry at all. But if you said, hey, uh, why would you eat so much more? Do you think the size of the bucket had anything to do with it? To a person, they'd say, no, I couldn't have.
1: It's remarkable. So <laughs> another example of that, of, of work you've done. By the way, I, I meant to mention when I introduce you, and I'll come back to this later, that you've written a wonderful book called Mindless Eating that summarizes this research. And I, I, it, to me, it's just a, I mean, it's a landmark in the field that you published that book. Thank you. You did work on something you called the bottomless soup bowl <laughs> that I think was also interesting. Would you mind explaining how that worked? <laughs> That's right, yeah. Just give me
0: a quick background about that. I was living in France, and I asked 150 Parisians, how do you know you're through eating dinner? number one answer was, I know I'm through eating dinner when I'm full or when the food no longer tastes good. Those are internal cues. That's time to stop. I asked the same question of 150 Chicagoans. number one answer was, I know I'm through eating dinner when my plate's empty. (laughs) We decided to look to see um, what would happen if your plate never emptied. So we took... A nice restaurant table, some nice soup bowls, drilled holes in the bottom of the soup bowls, drilled holes through the restaurant table, and into and hooked some food grade tubing from the bottom of the bowl through the table to this huge cauldron of six quart soup. Brought people in for lunch, let them eat for 10 minutes, and we found within 10 minutes person eating from a bottomless soup bowl ended up eating 73% more soup.
1: So this is a bowl that, as people are eating, it refills itself without <laughs> it's them knowing.
0: Yeah, yeah, very subtly. I mean, they, could, they would have to eat for two days or until six quarts of soup are gone before they hit the bottom. And we'd find people ate about 73% more soup. Um, 73% more. Yeah, I and mean, I think we did about 160 people in the study, and there were even over five people who ate more than a quart of soup in, five, in 10 minutes. Unbelievable.
1: So the people who ate this, ate more soup because they had the bottomless soup bowl condition compared to the people who just ate from a regular bowl, um, did they realize they ate more? Did they feel more full?
0: No, see, that's, that's what's crazy as we asked them after the study. We said, so uh, do you feel full? They go, no, how could I be full? I still have half a bowl of soup left. And this is the thing is you end up eating with your eyes, not your stomach.
1: I know another study that you did that I found fascinating is the strawberry yogurt study. Would you mind (laughs) explaining about that?
0: Well, there's a a basic idea that our taste buds are tremendously susceptible. We can very, very easily be fooled, Um, whether that be, you know, the, the, the waiter who describes a dish in a very elaborate detail, whereas basically it's, you know, you know, macaroni and cheese, the way he just described it, you think you're going to be having something incredible. And when you taste it, you indeed look for those things, those qualities that you're looking for and think it's incredible. Well, <clears throat> we did something with yogurt where we brought people in and to a, uh, it's just a yogurt taste test. And they sat down and what was in front of them were two types types of strawberry yogurt. They're blindfolded, they're given two samples of yogurt, but it wasn't strawberry yogurt, Vanilla yogurt with chocolate sauce. Actually, it's sour. It wasn't even good. And then afterwards, we asked them, you know, to compare and contrast the two types. All of them believed they tasted strawberry yogurt. They would point at things. They'd say, you know, I could taste a piece of strawberry in it. There's, there's no strawberry at all. And again, when you said afterwards, look, this wasn't strawberry yogurt. This was uh, white yogurt with a little bit of chocolate sauce. They, they refused to believe it.
1: It's just remarkable how much those <laughs> things. And so you, you've—I know you've done studies on tall, thin glasses mm-hmm. versus shorter, wide glasses. About the size of plates. About how much uh, how much food people take out of containers and things like that. I mean, it's just remarkable how many of these influences there are. And if you think about the fact that over time that these influences have grown grown worse. That is, mm-hmm. we now have larger plates. We have different size glasses. Um, we have containers that come from places like Costco, and, and you know <laughs> yeah, that are right. that are very large. But that's become <laughs> the norm. That if you multiply even a small shift in eating behavior across all those places in our environment, it really could add up to a lot, couldn't
0: it? Oh yeah, it's incredible. I mean, we uh, uh, I had an article a while back, and just one of the little figures in the article tracked the size of all plates manufactured in the United States over the last 100 years. And if you just look since 1960. The size of plates have increased by eleven percent from, from about um, from about a little over ten inches to, to now about 11 eleven and a half inches.
1: And so it it goes well on saying that people will serve themselves or eat more food on. Yeah,
0: the plate. yeah, yeah. We've been, we've done studies that show that when a person goes from a ten inch plate to a twelve inch plate, they end up serving themselves about twenty eight percent more because that four ounces of pasta on that ten inch plate it fills it up. But you put four ounces on a twelve inch plate. Oh, it looks like an appetizer. So what do you do? You add another scoop.
1: So interesting. So you two. could say that, that this might affect adults because adults are socialized. They're accustomed to these cues in their eating environment. But children may be less susceptible to that, to these influences. But you've done studies with children as well. Would you mind describing some of those? Yeah, it was
0: it was once thought that kids weren't influenced by these cues and that they knew when to stop. And we found that if at least at age four, they are very, very influenced by these cues um, not, not only the size of a serving bowl, but um, we, we brought kids in and would have them, would have them pour out the, the amount of breakfast cereal they wanted. And simply by varying the size of the bowl, you'd vary the amount that they poured. You also vary the amount to eat. And at some point, it becomes tough to study a four-year-old because there's a lot of sp- food that gets spilt and it gets eaten and spit out. <laughs> but it seems to move children in the exact same direction as adults. But also, there's a lot of other things that that, that mess up kids too. We um, a child doesn't know what the correct serving size is. And we did we do this interesting study with with um, elementary school children, and what we did is we gave them um, three little cookies, you know, the type of you know 80 calorie cookies, like a Girl Scout cookies, something like that. Um, three cookies that were either in a a ziploc plastic bag, or they were just set set on a plate and, and given to the kids. Now, if kids ate them in a ziploc bag, that was that looked like one portion. They would eat it, and they were fine. Uh, the same cookies on a plate, however, if they wanted more, they demanded to have more because that was a, that was a subjective portion that you gave them. There's three things on a plate. There's got to be more around somewhere. And so, even at this age of six and seven. They've, they're getting an idea what a portion size is. And it's easy to move them, or you could say trick them, but at least move them in one direction and thinking the portions are smaller than they actually are by simply putting them in a bag and sealing them.
1: Why do you think people are so startlingly unaware that, uh, that they're subject to these influences?
0: You know, I think it's, and, and uh, this was <clears throat> kind of the theme of the second chapter in in, in Mindless Eating is that Most people have so many darn things going on in their life. We're so much more busy, I think, than than maybe we used to be. We seem to have longer to-do lists. There's all these distractions that we didn't have 20 years ago. We can be eating with the TV on or with the iPad in front of us or the (laughs) cell phone ringing. And and I think we don't spend much time monitoring how much we eat. And I know there's a lot of people who believe that. The secret to mindless eating must be mindful eating because mindful is the opposite of mindless. But I, I think that works for some people, but it's unrealistic, I think, for most of us. Because it's it's, it's, uh, if you're eating by yourself in a dark, quiet room, yes, you can taste the pee and eat mindfully, but when you're having two kids screaming, the phone's ringing, you're thinking of the 10 things that went wrong that day at work and the 10 things you need to do after dinner before you can go to bed, it's it's hard to be present-minded in an environment like that. Instead, it's a whole lot easier just to sort of adjust that environment so you can mindlessly eat less without thinking about it. We did this study a short time ago that showed, this is just, this is just so crazy, you can't believe it, that if you drop the size of a serving spoon from what most people use to just a tablespoon, you know, the big size soup spoon, the typical person, male and female, end up, eating 14, end up serving and eating 14% less over the course of an entire meal. Now, a lot of these changes influence women differently than men, but that's the serving sp- sp- spoon thing had a similar influence on both people. But if you ask somebody, oh, yeah, do you think the size of the spoon made you eat a lot less? They'll go, no, 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 I couldn't have. I just ate till I was full. No, you didn't. You ate six scoopfuls and they're a lot smaller (laughs) than
1: they otherwise would have been. Well, this leads beautifully to what we'll cover in the second podcast, which is how do you harness this information in order to make social change? But I, and, but I want to ask you one more question. So the people you said might be unaware of what they're eating and not aware that they're subject to all these forces, just because they're not monitoring their eating carefully because they're so distracted. But could there also be a measure of this involved that people just don't like to admit that they're that they're subject to being <laughs> manipulated? I mean, if it seems to me, if you walk down the street, let's say you and I walk down the street and we find a hundred people and. We ask each of them how sub how how um, how effective is marketing on you? That they'll a hundred will say not very much, not at all. But if you say how much are those other ninety nine affected, they'll say oh a lot. <laughs> and there's there's that sort of bias that people have. And do you think some of that's true here as well? That people yeah. don't like to admit, or they just don't like to believe that that they would be pushed. They like. Who would want to believe that I taste strawberry when there's no strawberry, <laughs> or that you fool me by filling up this bowl of soup and I eat seventy three percent more? I mean, Yeah, I just can't imagine people would want to admit that to themselves.
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's a big part of it too. But the thing is, if, if as long as it goes by to why these things ha- do have such a big influence on us, because if we as long as we believe we're smarter than the soup bowl, or if we, at least we don't want to acknowledge it, <clears throat> at some time we start believing that we are smarter than the soup bowl if if we're denying it, denying it, denying it, denying it. it. And I think it's because these cues are all around us. But some of them, some of them are manufactured by sort of a rich environment that's full of available, affordable food. But a bunch of the other things are things that we sort of manufacture for ourselves to make our lives a little more convenient, not realizing what happens as a result of
1: it. All right. Well, thank you so much. As I said, we'll be covering in a second podcast how this information might be used and how the food environment can be changed to help improve human nutrition in places like the United States but elsewhere around the world. So our guest today was Dr. Brian Wansink, the John S. Dyson Endowed Chair in Applied Economics and Management at Cornell University where he also directs the Cornell Food and Brand Lab. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. That's
0: great. And if people want to read more, there's mindlesseating.org has a bunch of new studies and photos and fun stuff.
1: Okay, and of course, the book itself, Mindless Eating, is a wonderful read. Thank you.